The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie and back from Las Vegas. What's the Las Vegas slogan, Chris Smalls Angelos? What's it called? City of City? What's the slogan of Las Vegas? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I saw a lot of Aces gear out there. Just the women's team. Anyone wants to know about the Las Vegas Aces? I, I believe they took it out. But uh, there was a lot of Las Vegas Aces talk going on. Uh, so that's really the popular thing out there right now. Definitely women's basketball. Did you get a lot of work done out there, or did you just take too, too many women's basketball sites? So much work, man. Just convention season. You got to go into the convention. You're there all day, just slanging product, and uh, that's pretty much it. Then you go, you go to your hotel room, you sleep, and uh, get up to it again. There's no fun. That's I could I could see that you had no fun there. It, it sounded like that as you were posting black and white Instagram photos. Of like you on like a couch with like a, an old fashioned in your hand. It seemed like not no fun at all. I was actually a red wine. Um, <laughs> it was a it was a nineteen seventy three Alamos, which is very rare, and it was delicious. And uh, you know, I really savored that wine. Nineteen seventy three Alamos. That's good. Alamos is what they sell in when you get to like two thousand sixteen. That's what they sell in like Applebee's for like nine dollars a glass. So I'm yeah, glad you found the old nineteen seventy three. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, so this week, uh, big week, NBA free agency, but we have Nate Hager, head coach at Regis College. And Smalls, we learned a lot from this interview. One, we learned that a pack of lions is called a pride. Didn't, didn't know that. Probably should have known that, I think. But, and two, we learned that uh, – I'm just going to go ahead and spoil this because this is the most unbelievable piece of information ever. The secret talent question, Smalls, I don't know if you remember this because we taped it a, a week ago, but – Nate Hager, eBay auction guy. Guy loves auctions on eBay. Big time. I think just that that's not even spoiling it because he goes into details about being an eBay auction guy. I think it's incredible. It's lights out. Uh, as our boy Raf would say, that's complete aces. I mean, <laughs> it, it's incredible to find out. That's where the secret talent question really hits. Yeah, I mean, we've been waiting for the longest time. We, we've gotten very few good answers out of that. Everyone just kind of coach speaks. But Nate was just ready to go. He just didn't care. Uh, he, was, he was podcasting with us from a secret location. His wife kind of banished him to the basement to make sure he was quiet because he's got three kids, fourth one on the way. But uh, we talked to him a little bit. He's the first guy we've had on that started a, he started a program. So he's been the head coach at Regis College for as long as they've had men's basketball uh, since 2007. And suppose I thought that was pretty interesting. It's it's not a viewpoint we've we've had in the past, and it was interesting to hear him talk about, you know, kind of getting there when basketball wasn't happening yet, and then trying to recruit, and you know how many guys were actually on campus the first year when he had his team because the campus went from all girls to coed the same year that they had men's basketball. So you know some of the challenges in terms of like getting accepted and and kind of earning your keep as a program were were really interesting and, and something you don't necessarily hear from. I guess, basketball coaches, you know, he really had to kind of indoctrinate himself into the school. Super unique situation, but uh, I think it lends itself to how good of a coach you have to be to be able to start a program and kind of continue it on. Uh, Any job you go to from there on, I think you don't take anything for granted because you pretty much have to self-start 
every piece of the program, that being administration, educating and working with athletic directors and different administrative staff. And then, like you said, recruiting and essentially marketing a completely new program, finding the right guys, the right players, uh, both academically and athletically. And I think the academic piece becomes more important as you're starting a program because you have those first four years where you've got to kind of prove it in all elements to the school. So I thought it was super unique and interesting to hear the viewpoint from Nate. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, good city review, the Seacoast. We learned what that was. And just a guy that, you know, we've, we've had a bunch of his buddies on the podcast and we talked about it before. But I, I think anytime we have coaches, especially ones that we've met in person and had a chance to really chop it up with, the one thing that I always – I just cannot get out of my head is how important it is to know good people in this industry, no matter what level you're at. And not to, like, soapbox it small as, like, you know, that I like to do, but – it's really fun to hear about guys who have real genuine relationships with other head coaches and, and other assistants and, you know, how it helps them in this business. And we talk about this a little bit, but Nate, when they finally got to the NCAA tournament, they end up playing Dickinson and Alan Ceretti and, and Nate and Al are really close. And it's just kind of very funny how small the world is. But, you know, when you genuinely root for your group of friends and the people that you came up with, I think it just makes all your success and all their success so much sweeter. And I think that shows through in this interview with Nate. Yeah, and I think it's a good, like you said, not to get on a soapbox, but it's good. It's really good to have that in this business. If you're lucky to know people and have these genuine relationships, I think it it almost gives you a release from all the pressure you face internally. You get a chance to really, you know, give your friend a, a legitimate text, like awesome win there, or lift him up when you know losses happen, and you kind of win when your friends win as well. Uh, I think that. You know, I don't think it happens all the time in this business. I think you have, there's a lot of different people just like any industry, but when you come across those people and we've met those individuals all personally, it's genuine and it's interesting for sure. Totally agree with that. Real quick, Smalls, before we uh, send it off to Nate Hager, uh, your thoughts on Jimmy Butler? Turns down the old five-year, <laughs> 190 from Philly, goes to Miami. Philly gets Josh Richardson back and then goes and signs Al Horford. J.J. Redick leaves. You know, what What are your thoughts here? We got a little reboot action going on. Running yeah. back lasted about 35 seconds. Yeah, was it? Uh, this wasn't on the prep sheet, so you really put me on the spot. Now, we've been talking about it. Um, you know, everybody, it's kind of like the water cooler talk, right? But Jimmy Butler, it, it kind of stinks. I, I, li- I like Jimmy Butler, but I'm okay with it because I think they got a really good young guy in Josh Richardson, guy that really complements the team well. Uh, defensively, you know, they're really, really good now. And I think Al Horford being able to spell Embiid and hopefully start along Embiid, two mismatches you can create because both can kind of play on the perimeter and both can post up as well. Um, I think it's a really solid move. The veteran presence of Al Horford too, I think that will – I know we talk about this and maybe it will, maybe it won't, but that might really help Embiid. And he was about the only guy who could really stop and – locked down and beat game after game so that was huge and I think it's good for everyone Jimmy seems like he wants to go to a warmer weather city be the alpha and be the only guy uh doesn't really I don't I don't think winning now is that important to him but I think they could win down the line it's definitely not it's definitely not important to him like honestly like like Jimmy Butler can't be right it's just <laughs> definitely you want to be the number one option and you want to make a lot of money and have like a good quality of life like Jimmy just does not because 
here's the thing. Like, this Philly team. They offered him five years to the Sixers. They max. offered him full max. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I think they overpaid Tobias Harris, but you just, whatever, you kind of have to. to do it. Yeah, it just happens. I think the Horford contract's a little too big as well. But, you know, again, this is their window at this point. Like, you don't know how long Embiid's going to stay healthy. You still have Ben Simmons on somewhat of a cheap deal. It, it'll be really expensive in a year or two. But, like, I don't know. It's just weird. Jimmy Butler, like, again, he's just a different dude. He really clearly wanted to be in Miami, I think. Otherwise, he would have tried to push to go somewhere else. He could have won potentially in Houston, could have gone to the Lakers, could have gone to the Clippers. It's like, look, you know, don't say you're all about winning when it's just, you know, you want to do it your own way, and that's fine. I, I think that's fine. I really do. I want to I hear your thoughts on Golden State, honestly, because I got a pretty hot take. I, You know, I didn't – I don't know. The D'Angelo Russell thing I don't love – I. It's it's really interesting. Like they're they're kind of had to pivot. Obviously, like it's pretty clear that Durant was never staying at this point. Like if you turn down five two twenty one, and, and you know an extra fifty million dollars on the back end of your deal, I just think that wasn't an option. But I don't really mind D'Angelo Russell. I don't love two guys who don't really defend. They're both okay defenders, him and Steph Curry. But I don't really, really love them in the back court together. But I do think that they'll be able to ball screen teams to death. I've told you before, Smalls, I don't buy D'Angelo Russell as a great shooter. I think he had two really hot months last year, and we'll see if he carries that over. I think he's a little bit more like James Harden, where he's probably more close to 34 35%. And needs to take a lot of shots. So hopefully he takes some pressure off Curry. I think it's a really interesting idea. I don't know how great I think it is. And obviously with Klay Thompson out most of the year, you know, we'll see they're in a position to be pretty good come playoff time. I've also heard that they might flip D'Angelo Russell. So who knows? Maybe we'll see them like flip him to Toronto and – Whoa, that would be interesting. That'd be crazy. I don't think that's going to happen. I also, you know, like, Golden State's going to retire Kevin Durant's number. They also gave up (laughs) a first-round pick to get off Iguodala and then another first-round pick to make this D'Angelo Russell thing happen. So I don't love it, but, again, they deserve some credit, and Steph Curry makes everyone pretty easy to play with. So I I think Russell will be good there. I just – it's interesting, and I'm excited to see the fit. What do you you think? No, I just – I was wondering – I want to know the odds of the Warriors not making the playoffs. Well, they're still they're still twelve to one. They're still twelve to one to win the title as of today. I'd I'd like to bet them not making the playoffs. No, I know. I'm saying so. Those odds have got to be decently long. Yeah, I might might have to take it. Honestly, I just don't. I don't see this working out at all. I think it's really just with Clay Thompson essentially being out the whole year. I don't think they have a lot now. Of course, they probably are going to sign some more guys, add more guys, things like that. I just don't see it in a tough Western conference who people are loading up and now you got the Lakers that are going to be in the hunt and possibly the Pelicans made some good moves. So Utah is probably the one team that that got, I mean, obviously New Orleans got hot. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't want to get, I don't want to go too, too, too far down this road. I do have a free agency edition of the underdog sports NBA show that will drop on Wednesday with myself and Xander Gellison just to kind of, you know, pump my own tires for a second. Uh, if you want to subscribe, go ahead and subscribe to that on iTunes. But other than that, Smalls, we will kind of let the chips fall where they may. Hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll know what's going on with Kawhi Leonard. He's about the only big chip to fall. Who, who the hell knows what that guy's doing? You know, he might just be hanging out in California, like hasn't answered his phone in four <laughs> days. So I'm not sure if any team has any idea what's going on with him. But I uh, enjoy this week with Nate Hager. As always, if you like what you hear, we are Create Your Shot on Twitter, Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, Create Your Shot on Facebook, and Create Your Shot at gmail.com. Shoot us a DM, shoot us an email. You want to get on the show, you uh, have recommendations for us, you like what you hear, you, anything like that, leave us a review. Please leave five stars. Do the same thing. Koozie Deal is always in effect. And uh, like I said, enjoy this interview with Nate Hager, the head coach of the Regis College Pride. 
All right, we are pleased to be joined by Nate Hager, head coach of the Regis College Lions. Nate, it is a, a Tuesday night. You're, you're sitting in the basement. You're trying to be quiet. But other than that, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I, I really appreciate you, you guys having, a, having me on. Um, yeah, the, uh, we're, we're actually the Regis College pride. And it's funny, people, people ask me all the time, what's your mascot? What's your mascot? I'm like, a pride. And uh, they're like, what the heck is a pride? I'm like, a pride alliance. Because so. it said, I, I just finished on Wikipedia before we logged on, and I Googled Regis College mascot, and it said male and female lions. So yeah, you know, I should have I should have assumed a pack of lions. If you were smart, yeah, you know, lions plural is pride, and that's what they were trying to hinting at. But there know. is a zero percent chance, Smalls, that you knew a pack of lions was a pride before five seconds ago. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out. We both went to Temple. Like we didn't do a lot of studying of animals. Not 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 in the wildlife, at least. <laughs> well, it's it's funny. Pride. Right now, my my daughters are in love with uh, the Lion King. So Pride Rock's pretty big up here right now. Not because of Regis, but you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was funny since we were in all women's school. Uh, so we uh, we had just the lioness as our logo. And um, when they introduced men in 2007, um, it, they put a lion over top of the lioness. And it, like, it, it seemed like a good idea, but then you really looked at it like, ah, something's not right here. <laughs> so we went, uh, we went with a gender neutral uh, R with a crown as our logo. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I love it. I told- and you, you were probably a part of that process, being that you started the basketball program back in 2007. I mean, you are the you know founding father here, the head coach <laughs> in 2007. Uh, you know, did you have a say in that process? Yeah, no, I was I was part of it, and uh, it was funny because we uh, we gathered all the different logos from anyone that used the lion. So. Uh, Springfield has a lioness. Uh, Widener actually has a lion, a lioness, and a cub at that time. Uh, that was their logo. So we were we were all over the map. Uh, but yeah, part of that process. Um, you know, it's funny you say the founder of the program. I I lead in usually with uh, I'm the all time winningest and all time losingest coach at uh, at Regis College. So. We'll stick with all time winningest. That sounds yeah. way better. I mean, I think you've got to be the first guy, Smalls, please tell me I'm not going to offend anybody, but you've got to be the first guy on the show that started a program. I I think this is a first for Create Your Shot. I don't think we've anyone else on. Like, Nate, what was that like? I mean, did you get there a year before you guys actually started playing games? The guy Smalls and I know, Justin Baxter, did that at... uh, uh, Bryn Athen. Bryn Athen, like where he was there a year before they actually started playing. Did you do that same thing? Yes, I was, uh, I was an assistant. I was the associate head coach uh, for Greg Curley at uh, Juniata. And um, I, uh, I got brought up um, literally right after Thanksgiving. Um, so uh, it was 2006. And uh, they said, hey, we, we need a, a team. We need a, a men's basketball team for uh, the 2007-2008 uh, season. Um, the first male came on campus in, uh, 2007, uh, spring of 2007. And then, uh, we had, I believe 39 males, um, in September, uh, 2007 and, uh, 15 of them were on the basketball team. So, uh, 
Yeah, it was. Uh, it's pretty nuts, and it, you know, uh, you know, some things stay the same, some things change, but you know, we're still, you know, probably seventy-five, twenty-five, eighty, eighty, twenty, uh, female to male ratio. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's been a great process. You know, uh, we were under six hundred students at that time, and uh, uh, you know, we're pushing eleven hundred, almost twelve hundred undergrad students now, and with our graduate programs uh, online, we're like thirty-three hundred. So. Um, good spot. Definitely a good spot. I can imagine, you know, that being a challenge for sure, just becoming, you know, boys and girls, the sports, the dynamic of just getting students in and things like that and marketing that material. But what kind of challenges did you face early on um, when it came to establishing recruiting, uh, but essentially establishing a basketball program? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Uh, uh, recruiting was the biggest challenge. Um, you know, being at Juniata, um, out in central PA, Huntington PA, out in uh, football country, um, it was, it was quite frankly, it was tough to get good basketball players there. And, uh, Greg's done a great job, you know, the past, um, you know, 10, 10, 15 years there, but, uh, we really mass recruited at Juniata and that prepared me, uh, you know, to mass recruit, um, at Regis because quite frankly, the only um, I've really been to New England, I can say twice. Uh, once was we played in the Springfield tournament my uh, senior year at, at Juniata. And then uh, another was uh, we used to go to Maine for vacation. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing I remember of that vacation was uh, my brother spilling hot coffee on his chest and us going to a hospital in Lowell uh, <laughs> in the mid-80s. Oh, the pride of Lowell. And, yeah, in, in the mid '80s, and my sister and I walked in with Lakers shirts because we were just at the uh, the Hall of Fame, and uh, we were getting hairy eyeballs all over the place. You know, it was, it was eight, probably '86, you know, '86, '87, right in the you know the fistfight heydays of uh, the Lakers uh, Celtics rivalry. So we, so I, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I didn't know anything about the NEPSAC. I knew nothing about the prep school scene. Um, you know, so my eyes were opened. Uh, when I went up there. Um, but w- we had a simple tool that we used at Juniata, just called a coach's questionnaire, and uh, where we sent it out to every single high school basketball coach in uh, the New England states and just asking for the top four players, four or five players in their league. And uh, we started there. Um, and I was really, really fortunate uh, to get some great names uh, to, go, uh, to go evaluate. Uh, but then you get some that, you know, well, weren't so great either. And uh, you know, I found myself sitting in some schools and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? You know, I hope I get, you know, I hope I get, you know, six, seven, eight guys, you know, to, uh, to, to fill out to, to at least so we could practice. But uh, we ended up with 15, you know, and, uh, and a lot of those guys um, were true college basketball players. Like I said, we got, we got very fortunate um, and uh, yeah, set a great, uh, you know, their four years, uh, it was, it uh, culminated in a, uh, in our first ever appearance in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun with those guys. How's the program changed over the last 12 years? I mean, like you said, there's 39 guys on campus. Like, I mean, what was like the living situation and, and, and what were the things that when you kind of got on campus, you circled like, all right, if we're truly going to have a chance to really make this thing hum and like compete, what did you have to circle and say, like, these things need to change or this is what I need to get done over the next couple of years? Yeah. So, I mean, my two stops before Regis, uh, Juniata 
and uh, Bethany, I lived on campus. I was uh, a full-time entity uh, assistant, and I thought that had to be what we what we needed to do at Regis to, to have a shot at being successful. Uh, myself being full-time, and I needed an assistant being full-time. And uh, I talked to an administration, talked, uh, administration into uh, getting a, uh, um, an assistant who also doubled as a, like a resident director. And uh, so he was there. He was a resource for our guys. Uh, is, uh, my first ever assistant, Jelani Townsell, I uh, ended up becoming head coach at Newbury. Currently, he's a dean of students over at uh, Roxbury Community College. Um, but uh, really good, really, really good guy, good coach. And uh, he actually lived on the same floor, I believe, um, as our 15 guys. You know, so he had, you know, he definitely had some challenges as well, you know, uh, uh, him being there, him being mistaken for one of the 39 guys that were, you know, on campus. Um, but I thought that was, uh, I thought that was number one, uh, being able, being able to do that. And then quite frankly, the next thing was I got on D3 hoops and uh, I, I tried to schedule all teams that had losing records. Uh, um, and uh you know it's, it's smart I, you got to get some momentum rolling get people believe in this program a little yeah. bit get a couple wins don't want to go on 30 you know <laughs> yeah no and and it, it's funny we actually had the same exact record um my first year as we did this past year 9 and 16 and uh um you know funny following up uh Brian Gorman who's a head coach at Becker College uh very very successful at Becker uh, he just got the Becker, and they had a bad year the year before. And we were like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll play. Uh, I didn't realize you know, he can really recruit and you know, get after it. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, we, uh, you know, I think um, those are the two big things. Um, and, then, uh, and, then, and then just you know, finding, finding you know, high-character guys, you know, because we being an all-women's school and going co-ed, you know, the, the microscope's on you. You know, from you know how you how you dress and you know what you're doing, and um, you know not in I'm not talking about on the court. You know, this is off the court, on the classroom or in the classroom. Um, so it, it it was good, you know. But uh, uh, definitely, I had professors in my office saying, "Hey, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing that," and that's you know one of the great things about about Regis and about a, a smaller uh, private liberal arts school. Uh, you know, they're uh, you're there, you know, you're a focus, you know, absolutely. Did the, did the campus really embrace the team right away? Was it something that like you could sense the excitement when you went up there and interviewed and got the job and like the first year you were there, could you tell like, this is going to be something that's really going to be a positive, I guess, like a positive thing for the Regis community? Yeah. You know, we, we, we had to earn our stripes uh, because the classes that were at Regis when I got there went to Regis because they were an all women's school. So that 2007, 2008 year was the first co-ed, um, you know, that first co-ed class, you know, um, and, and we were hurting for enrollment. You know, I'm sure you guys have seen um, all the, uh, the closings up here in new England, uh, unfortunately with, uh, with the different schools. Um, you know, I, I would say that we were probably right in that boat and uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, a president, um, you know, with some foresight and, uh, you know, made, uh, made the, the tough decision, uh, to go co-ed and it, it wasn't popular. It wasn't popular with the alumni. Um, it wasn't popular with, um, 
you know, the current students. Um, but uh, yeah, so we had to earn our stripes. Um, and, you know, by, you know, year, you know, I want to say year three, year four, you know, the majority of the, uh, the student body population were co-ed classes. Um, you know, then, you know, it was a, uh, you know, it was, you know, it, it became a, a very good situation. And then we had a little bit of success too in year four. Hey, Nate, what, like, what made you be like, I want this job and I get it. Like when we're all young and, you know, we're saying, I want to be a head coach and that's absolutely, I don't care where I go a lot of times. And I've had those feelings when I was younger and things like that, but the end of the day, it's got to be kind of a scary situation. I want to be a head coach. I want to be a head coach at a new school who's just going co-ed, who might not have the resources, might not even know how to organize men's sports or anything like that. What made you want to get that job and how did you attack getting the job? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I played four years at, uh, at Juniata and, um, and I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, to get uh, the GA job at Bethany College uh, for Rob Kuhn and uh, was there for two years. And that's how I, that's how I formed the relationship with uh, Nevada Smith and, uh, and Todd McGinnis. Um, but uh, then I came back to Juniata. Greg Curley um, had taken over for Rick Ferry uh, when Rick went to Albright. And, um, and I was there, I was going into my fourth year as an assistant for Greg and, um, and that's eight years in Huntington, PA, man. Uh, you know, Huntington's a, a great, Huntington's a great place, you know, great, great college town. Uh, great to be a student there. But, uh, you know, if, um, you know, in your mid twenties, uh, they can only go to Walmart so many times, you know, when there's nothing to do. Uh, it's like dog years, man. It's gotta be. So you were like 56. I got yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and it's a tough drive to State College. State, co- top, state College and Altoona are close, but, man, you're up over a mountain. And, you know, they, they, you don't want to make that drive, you know, late at night. Um, but uh, but uh, the one thing that I thought, you know, prepared me, you know, Greg Curley really, really knows how to run a program. Um, and, you know, he uh, he really has done well at Juniata. And, you know, I felt just confident, um, you know, what we did there, I could take and mimic and adjust and do that um, at Regis. Um, but a little bit was also ignorance too. You know, I, I had no idea there, you know, hurting for enrollment. Oh, okay. Yeah, great. You know, uh, going, uh, going co-ed. Perfect. You know, that's an opportunity for me to, you know, to be a head coach. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I didn't, I did not know. Um, so yeah, a little bit was ignorant. So yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't frightened at all, quite frankly. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think at that age, that's that's what you have to be, right? To get a kind of job and just go into it with everything you have. But I kind of want to touch on that. You mentioned running a program, and I think that gets overlooked a lot. You know, we see good coaches. There's good assistant coaches who know how to recruit. They can do the X's and O's. But being a head coach and running a program is more akin to being a CEO. And you've got to know how to manage people and delegate. Um, but what you know, what were some things that you really took that you wanted to implement and build your program, whether it was daily processes, standard operating procedures, what were some of those keys that you wanted to make sure were non-negotiable, I guess, in your program? 
Yeah, you know, the one thing, you know, outside of basketball that we did at Geniad, and I thought Greg was, uh, you know, a genius for this, is, uh, you know, we had a uh, an academic improvement program. And um, and I took that and, uh, and used it immediately at Regis. Uh, it was, uh, it's not, you know, a, a lot of people have study halls. Um, you know, when I was the assistant for Greg, I, I proctored the study halls. You know, but we did this program once a week. You know, so I brought it up to Regis, you know, and my intent was to do once a week uh, where we bring speakers in from across campus, you know, uh, uh, anyone from health services to uh, residence life to campus police, um, you know, uh, people from around athletics, you know, just to get to start the, for the guys to build a network, you know, so with the division three experience, you know, it's a lot more than just, you know, uh, being on the court, you know, it's be, being a productive member, you know, a productive set, citizen on campus. Um, so I, I thought that was huge. Um, and then there's, you know, Proctor study hall, we go over study skills, we work closely with our learning commons, that kind of thing. Uh, but we, we did that once a week at Juniata. And uh, when I came up to Regis, you know, uh, we weren't real selective, quite frankly, you know, with uh, our uh, getting getting students in at first. And, um, well, we had about five, five, six guys fail off that first team, you know. So, you know, through a, uh, you know, a, a painful uh, learning moment, uh, we, we bumped that up throughout the years where we were going three, four, you know, we, we, we haven't gotten to five, but three or four times a week with that in practice study halls. Um, you know, and and that's been really effective. Um, we had a cumulative GPA this year uh, over 3.0. Uh, so it was, um, you know, yeah, it's been, you know, such a, a turnaround from, you know, I mean, I've been there, you know, 13 years, but, uh, but where academic uh, casualties, um, you know, aren't, you know, aren't in the forefront of your mind. I mean, that'll happen from time to time, but, um, but I think that program, and that's the one thing I'd, uh, you know, Greg instilled, you know, right away. Um, that, that's a, that's a huge, uh, a huge thing. Um, and then, uh, and then just, you know, the, the, the total recruiting process, uh, was the other thing that I took from him. Um, that was a, that was another, uh, another piece, you know, how you just got to grind, you know, and, you know, and be there and talk to people. Um, but the, those are the two things I think were, the most, uh, the, the most utilized uh, when I got to Regis. We got to take a quick break. As the FIFA Women's World Cup gears up for an exciting final matchup, get the best coverage with Sports Like a Boss on Podcast One Sportsnet. Join three-time Olympian Holly McPeak and sports broadcaster Anne-Marie Anderson as they analyze the biggest stories and scandals with some amazing guests. Go for the gold and download new episodes of Sports Like a Boss every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One Sportsnet. Speaking of the Women's World Cup Smalls, summer action is heating up. It's the beginning of July, and there is a ton of excitement. Women's World Cup semifinals Tuesday, uh, Major League Baseball, UFC, MLS soccer, and much more. Because a lot of those sports, if you don't bet on them, you're probably not watching. Let's just be honest. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place you can trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code PODCAST1, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E, for a 50% welcome bonus. Like I said, Women's World Cup, they play in the semis against England on Tuesday. Megan Rapinoe, two big goals against France. 
Will Alex Morgan get back off the schneid? She scored five against Thailand. Smallson has not put one in the back of the net. But big uh, semifinal matchups on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I believe, is uh, Norway and Sweden. And then in baseball, we got things heating up. Christian Yelich just hitting dingers all day. Cody Bellinger, uh, probably the MVP right now. Mike Trout still playing super hot. Phillies crumbling. Good for me. Nats, finally over 500. Max Scherzer hasn't lost in what feels like. I mean, he didn't lose all of June, so he might not lose ever again. But don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use the promo code PODCAST1 or text BET now to 238-669. That is B-E-T-N-O-W to 238-669. And receive a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And now, back to Nate Hager. So we talked a little bit about building the program, and, and eventually you guys, 2014, 2015, you go 19 and 19, win the conference, make the NCAA tournament. You know, what did that feel like, both like for you and for the guys on the team to kind of, you know, sort of, you kind of described it, like climb that mountain a little bit. You know, you know what was that season like? And were there some turning points where you were like, okay, this is the group of guys that's going to, you know, we're going to win the conference. Like, is that sort of how you felt going into 14-15? Yeah, you know what's crazy is, um, you know, we lost our, or not lost, but we graduated our all-time leading score in uh, the 13-14 season. Uh, and then we had a really, really talented player uh, not come back. And uh, everyone was, oh boy, you know, rebuilding here for you guys. And um, what we ended up doing, we, we had a great recruiting class. Um, we got two, um, we got uh, one true transfer, uh, and then another transfer, a guy who recruited, um, uh, years prior. And, um, you know, they were two really, really good mature guards. Um, and the other guys who had been in the program, um, we had a majority, we had about four or five seniors and then a group of, uh, juniors and sophomores, um, who had run our system for probably, you know, for the, the last two or three years and adding those two really good mature guards, um, brought some leadership and, and then some buy-in and, uh, it, it was amazing, uh, because yeah, no one thought we'd do anything, you know, make any noise. And then, um, we got our tails kicked, uh, in our, in our, in our, in our scrimmage, uh, over at LaSalle and, um, and our guys kind of just said, okay, let's, you know, let's actually, let's, let's do this. Let's buy in. And, uh, we, we went on a nice run, you know, uh, you know, beat, uh, you know, beat some teams that, you know, we're probably not supposed to beat in, uh, in Tufts university, uh, you know, and, uh, it just gave some, it gave the guys some confidence and, um, and yeah, it was, you know, but the, the, the leadership and the, the buy-in and then I think cotton, the consistency too, you know, we had been running the same stuff more or less. Uh, for you know, two three years prior and uh yeah that, that 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 took us took us to where we needed to go how, how do you have to prepare to get back to that point now you know after having a couple seasons that weren't quite up to that standard you know how, what do you feel like you need to do to get back there yeah i think you know we've been uh I, I tell you what, probably our last two or three seasons, we've been more talented uh, than what we were that year that we won it. And, um, you know, one of the issues we had this, this past year, we just turned the ball over too much. Um, and that sounds simple, but, um, you know, 
I think your guard play has to be at a premium, you know, and, and having those two mature guards, um, you know, really, really helped and, and, and had a calmness, you know, to what we did. Uh, we're going to have, uh, you know, uh, two senior guards this year. Uh, and then we, uh, we infused, infused the team with, um, with five freshmen uh, who, are, who are incoming freshmen and another um, who, potential sixth. And, um, you know, I, I think our guards are, uh, you know, we've, we've really kind of built back that depth in our, in our guard spot. And it starts there. You know, I, I think maybe um, at the division, division three level, you, you focus a lot on trying to, you know, trying to get bigs, you're trying to get athletes and, and trying to, you know, because it's just tough. Everyone's looking for it. Yeah. You know, I, I, quite frankly, maybe I, I forgot about, you know, the most important, you know, the most important position, um, you know, it's, the, you know, it's your guard play. Um, and uh, I think that's where it starts. Uh, um, but uh, we have a nice core of, uh, of seven returners, uh, five juniors, two seniors who, who have you know, been in the system here. And, you know, I'm really looking for those guys to, you know, to, to assume some leadership uh, roles, um, you know, cause we had, we had five, actually five seniors graduate. Um, so, um, so yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, I think we're in a good start, good spot though. I always find it interesting how different coaches approach player development, especially after a season. Um, and it seems like you have some, you know, obviously you just stated you, you got senior guards and leadership and coming back next year and they need to improve on turnovers and, you know, different parts of the game. How do you approach player development, especially at the division three level when you don't have that time over the summer? How do you approach that at the end of the season and then extend it? Uh, hopefully those guys coming back in October, ready to go. Yeah, no. And this is again, you know, uh, I thought, you know, Curls at Juniata did a great job with this. Um, you know, we we do establish a, a spring and summer uh, suggest suggested program. You know, and, uh, and and the guys, it's all stuff that we've done in practice. So guys have an idea of what uh, they need to be working on. Uh, but the other thing with with Regis, you know, from a resource standpoint, um, you know, we have a strength and conditioning coach that the guys work out with. Um, you know, work out, yeah, work out in the spring. Uh, work out in the fall. Um, we just had a, uh, a dedicated, I don't want to say athlete only, uh, but it's a supervised supervision only um, weight room that we just put in um, this past fall. Yeah. And it, it's beautiful. Uh, teams can go in uh, by themselves, you know, and, and if you would have seen what we had, you know, 12, 13 years ago, uh, we had one kind of workout center. Um, and we still have that, but we've done, we've put these, you know, um, workout rooms in all our, all our dormitories now, uh, and now having this dedicated, uh, um, weight room, which, you know, if, uh, you know, if the, the Celtics or the Red Sox or you know, the revolution want to come in and get a workout, they, they have all the equipment that they need. So it's state of the art, um, you know, our, uh, Renato Capobianco is uh, our strength and conditioning coach. Great. Does a heck of a job, um, you know. And uh, you know, our guys, you know, it, it's a different voice too. It's not me, you know. It's someone else that's getting after them. Um, you know, another another mentor. So um, yeah. So I mean, I think that's a a big part of you know us getting ready for October next year. 
Hey, uh, we got, you know, obviously Division Three. you can kind of recruit whenever, same with D2, but we do have these live periods coming up now, and it's kind of starting off the whole recruiting season in terms of the summer and things like that. What are you specifically looking for in players in terms of, I guess, intangibles on the court, um, especially everybody's looking at the kid with size or the athlete, and it's going to be so hard. It's Everyone's going to recruit that one kid. What are you specifically looking at in terms of recruits and kids who can actually play for you and play for your program? Yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, the, the size and the athleticism, you know, had, had been a focus of ours. And, um, you know, this past year, we really, really went to, you know, um, being able to handle the ball, basketball IQ, um, guys that can shoot it. I mean, you know, with, with the three-point line being moved back, you know, it's really going to separate the guys who can shoot it and, and from the pretenders. And, um, you know, so you need guys that, that can spread the floor. Um, you know, and I would say that was a, a, definitely a weakness in our program that the last handful of years, just uh, being, being able to, to spread the floor, guys that can knock it down. Uh, we have a senior who is uh, probably one of the, the best shooters at the division three level i've ever seen um you know dimitri uh, rosa he is uh you know but he's a senior you know and uh so that was you know, what we were looking for we we're looking for guys that can fill it up that can that can stretch the floor and i, I think we did a good job addressing that um for this incoming class um but uh the other thing is you gotta love basketball you know at the division three level um you know, there's a lot of different, you know, it's the mentality is, you know, it's not a job, you know, there's time where you can, um, you know, do other things, um, you know, be involved on campus and it's, it's great, but we definitely still want guys who identify themselves as basketball players. Um, and I think that's, uh, another thing that we did a really good job with this, uh, this incoming uh, freshman class. Speaking of like, Loving basketball. We, we did mention your college career, really good player, Juniata, two-year captain, also a coach's son. Did you know going into college, like, I'm, I'm going to try to make basketball my full-time career? I mean, I, and I would say that, like, if you were going to Juniata, maybe you thought you could play overseas for a while, but I don't know how quickly that became a reality that probably wasn't going to happen. Not to, like, put words in anybody's mouth, but I'm assuming, you know, yeah. you figure like, I'm going to, I'm going to go right into coaching. You said, you know, you were fortunate enough to get a GA spot right away. When did you decide, like, this is the path I'm going to take? Yeah. So, uh, going, going to Juniata, um, I, I put, I actually, I played for my dad in high school and, uh, we were, we were elite, you know, we, uh, you know, uh, very, very few losses in, in my high school career. The only guy we couldn't get by was Archie Miller at uh, at Blackhawk, um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know we you know when I went to Juniata, my eyes were open. Uh, we were mediocre, um, you know we were poor, and then we ended up at mediocre. Um, you know by the time I was a uh, a senior, and uh, my introduction to MAC basketball was uh, guarding Andy Panko, and uh, Panko Panko dropped thirty five on me my freshman year. And then, um, and then my sophomore year, uh, I think they were ranked may maybe number two or three in the country. And we banked in a shot, Pat Sarby banked in a shot, uh, a three to beat them at their place and put them in a downward spiral. Um, and then the fall, the next time we played them the following year, um, Panko 
beat us and not, not, you know, he had a great game, a good game. He literally beat us. He beat us 59 to 57. I forget what the actual score was. Like, I, I mean, it was probably a hundred something or whatever to, to, to 57. And I was like, Man, I'm definitely not playing over. Like this guy, this guy's unbelievable. Like I, he, he's uh, also he's, like, I, and and Smalls will tell you this too. When we first worked at Hoop Group, I was like, Mister Division One. Like, if you played Division Three, you must have been absolutely terrible at basketball. Whatever. Andy Panko is like one of the best Division Three players of all time. Like, played in like the Euro League and stuff. It's probably a little unfair if you chose him to be the reason why you couldn't play pro because he, I mean, yeah. he really made like millions playing basketball from Lebanon Valley, which is a, an amazing story. Like that dude is just unbelievable. He was like a six nine wing playing Division yeah. three basketball. Yeah, yeah. He came in. He came in. I guess uh, his freshman year, he was six three and grew six inches uh, six, you know, by his sophomore year. And uh, yeah, no, he was phenomenal. Uh, I think he, you know, played for the Lakers, played for the Hawks, and then, yeah, like you said, went over because he, uh, you know, MVP, you know, kind of player in uh, in the leagues over there. But uh, but yeah, so. Um, my mother actually, uh, you know, by the time she retired, uh, she was the, she was the interim athletic director at Allegheny college. Um, so, so we actually, myself and, uh, my brothers and my brother and sisters, we grew up on Allegheny college. Uh, my dad's a high school coach, summer camps, all that. So we're always in the gym. Um, but my, but we were always, always around college students, you know, so I kind of took um what they both did and, and combined it uh, but I, I just knew i mean that you know allegheny was a special place um i, I wanted to be at that level at the division three level um you know and at that time uh you know, phil ness was the head coach at uh at allegheny uh i know al Soretti played for him um you know and it's uh you know he had a uh, he had a part in um getting me in the door, getting a foot in the door with Rob Kloon, who was one of his former assistants um, at Bethany. Um, so, and then Greg Curley's uh, older brother was also an assistant at Bethany for a time as well, Kevin Curley. So, um, yeah, it's basketball, such a small world. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty nuts. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I kind of, you know, I was like, yeah, this is meant to be. Yeah, before we before we move it on to coach speak and segments, uh, I gotta ask you. I mean, we talked before the podcast. You're trying to put your 20 month old, or you got out of putting your 20 month old baby into uh, her crib, and she's already jumped out of the crib. So had all of that going on. What is it like, you know, doing a work life balance between coaching basketball at the Division three level and you know being with your wife and kids and things like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough, man. Uh, you know, you have to have a strong partner. Uh, you know, and my wife is uh, is definitely that. Um, you know, God bless her. She's been pregnant for the last three years. Uh, we're due again here in mid July. So, wow. uh, yeah, it's nuts. Um, but it is. Uh, it's you. You have to have someone that understands and who values it. Um, she was a Division One uh, field hockey player at UNH. Uh, so she gets athletic. She, she sees the value. Um, you know, she see, she knows it's, it's about development. It's about, uh, you know, it's not the wins and losses at our level. It is, it's about uh, graduating guys, retaining guys, you know, uh, sending them out in society to be good, uh, good people, good husbands, 
um, good fathers. And, um, you know, I couldn't do it. Definitely couldn't do it without her, but, um, we both commute too. Um, you know, so we just kind of trade war stories with, uh, you know, battling traffic on 95 and route one, you know, that's something to commiserate about. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, it's tough. Uh, um, you know, that, especially, you know, you, you want to be good too. So you got to get out and get and see guys. But, uh, you know, it's funny as a, as a younger, just, or a younger head coach or, uh, or just a single head coach, not married, you know, I kind of spot at guys, you know, not being everywhere, you know, and now I'm like, Oh my God, you know, like I, I, I get it. <laughs> you know, I get it. You know, I, I, I now understand, uh, you know, so it's funny when you, you get married, you don't realize, you know, how selfish you were with your time. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, but it's, you definitely need, definitely need a, a, an understanding, you know, strong partner who is, uh, you know, who isn't afraid to keep you in check. You, uh, you have three daughters, right? Do you know, is this going to be another daughter or, or a boy? Do you know? Oh yeah. It's, it's going to be another daughter. So we're, uh, <laughs> um, we're going to be I mean, working. The Hayward. I'm, if if anyone could see this, he just gave us the Hayward reaction. So, but yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna have our starting five here. No, we're we're, we're probably done after this one. Then, so, uh, you're, all, you're gonna have what? You're gonna have three girls. You one one is you said eleven or twelve years old, right? And then the others are, are yeah. all, you're gonna have three under three years old. That's gonna be boy. Yeah. High school is gonna yep. be really fun for that that group. You you you're probably gonna be the favorite parent though. I, I I hear all teenage daughters just dislike their mother. Like they just automatically hate the mom, and the dad's like the teddy bear. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's some there's definitely some good battles. Um, you know, uh, you know, especially it's funny with uh, trying to put keep that 20 month old you know now in her big girl bed. Um, I come in and say, get in your bed, and uh, she laughs. She literally openly laughs at me, you know, and then my wife goes in and says, get in your bed. And, uh, she goes, daddy, 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 daddy. So yeah, no, I think there's, I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on with that. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's take it in. Let's take it into coach speak. Obviously, uh, the Raptors won the NBA title and Nick nurse is just the toast of the basketball world. So I'm a sheep and I picked a quote from Nick nurse. Go ahead. Smalls. All right. I think you can't do very good work if you don't love what you're doing. I just don't know. I never really got discouraged. I didn't really care at the level I was coaching at. I was just trying to learn and get better. That's it. And, you know, as someone who's been at the same place for 12 years, this kind of goes to you a little bit. How have you maintained that passion and love for coaching you had when you started that program as a young guy, didn't care? I'm going to head into this program, like we mentioned co-ed don't care i'm just gonna start a program i'm gonna dominate so how'd you maintain that passion well i mean it's 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 for the kids you know quite frankly you know it's uh you know we want our guys to be successful um you know on the court off the court um we we want to put guys out there in society that are going to be um you know great contributors you know we want them to find their path um, you know, the, the outcomes, you know, and, and we've been very fortunate. Um, you know, we have a post, uh, you know, 34, 35 alums, um, uh, have some great outcomes. Uh, but the process, you know, uh, getting better every day, um, is, is quite frankly, you know, uh, what it's about. And, uh, and that's, that's why that's, that's how I keep, 
you know, that's how I keep my passion, you know, how, how the fire stays lit, you know, uh, uh, one, our, one of my former players, Jordan Mont, um, who hit two huge foul shots for us, uh, when we did win our championship in 14, 15, um, he just got a, an assistant job at Colby and, uh, he was at an AU tournament, um, you know, this past weekend, he's like, Hey coach, can I crash your place? So I don't have to drive, you know, four and a half hours up to Colby, you know, and just have him over for dinner. Um, great guy, you know, um, my daughter's, you know, the three-year-old calls him Uncle Jordan, you know, forming those kind of, those kind of relationships. Um, and then just like how I, how I, uh, ditched out on, uh, on Monday, you know, again, you know, you hear, you know, another alum who's making a heck of a lot more money, you know, than you are a member at, uh, Granite Links. Um, you know, hey coach, you know, come down, let's do the, you know, Twilight, um, you know, tea time, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's why you do it. Um, you know, the, the relationships and uh, the, the, the men that you're forging, you know, as you do it. I, I totally agree with that. I think you mentioned something interesting in their relationships and we've never really brought it up. So I have a bit of a follow up here. Is, do you think it's also your really close circle of friends that you've kept as well within the coaching industry to be able to commiserate with those type of people, but also kind of get back and reconnect? I feel like that's so important you know, especially knowing Nevada and, you know, uh, McGinnis and all these people you kind of connect or really close with as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm real fortunate, um, you know, to, to have met, uh, you know, Todd and, and Nevada, my first, my first coaching gig. Um, you know, those guys also, you know, made it very easy for me to stay in coaching too, because we were good. Um, and, uh, you know, those guys are, you know, my best friend, you know, not just in coaching, but those guys are my best friends, you know, uh, you know, something good happens, you get a text or a call or something bad happens, a text, a call, um, you know, so, you know, those guys are great. And, you know, uh, you know, my, when I was an assistant at Bethany, I was going head to head with the assistant at Washington Jefferson and that was Al Ceretti. And, um, you know, you know, us fighting over guys, um, you know, on the recruiting trail, you know, another guy that's a, a really, really good dude, uh, smartest guy, you know, I, I probably know Josh Loeffler, um, you know, and it's, it's also a great network to have, you know, if you, if you're looking for assistance, you know, looking for guys who, uh, you know, want to come work for you, or if you have guys or players, you know, who, who, um, you know, who need jobs. And, and another guy I'll throw in is, is my, my brother, you know, uh, Nick, Nick Hager, uh, the head coach of Bethany now. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we talk almost, uh, not every day, but, uh, you know, talk, uh, talk a really, you know, a good bit. And, um, you know, that's, you know, that core, you know, you hit on the head, but the relationships, you know, uh, you know, makes the final fours fun, makes recruiting events fun. Um, you know, it's a bunch of good guys. Yeah. I actually tried really, really hard to figure out a way to like have the question I find a quote that like let me ask that question so I'm glad Smalls did it did you and you actually played Al Soretti didn't you play Dickinson in the NCAA tournament wasn't that who you wasn't that your first round matchup or he was not there yet yeah no he was there it was nuts um you know so we're we're all they they got a, a you know a viewing party room for us and we're you know I, I'm sure I'm sure we're gonna go up to you know, I, I don't even know if they're in the tournament this year, but we, I sure I was sure we were going to go to Williams or Amherst or you know whoever. And I'm like, really? We're going to Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and uh, and then not only are we going to Carlisle, but we're going with 
two other New England teams. Uh, Springfield, who we lost by one that year, they were going down, and then um, and then uh, and then Albertus Magnus, um, you know, they were also going down. And uh, yeah, so we played Dickinson in that first round, and uh, we gave them a little bit of a scare. Um, you know, afterwards, uh, maybe a uh, maybe a week after the NCAA tournament, Al asked us about the zone we were playing. So I was like, all right, we, we had him thinking a little bit. So, um, I just but, think that's uh, so crazy. Yeah. That was like his, that was like one of his best years. I know like that specific class, I, I think they, you know, they definitely had an All-American. Jimmy Fennery is going to listen to this and get so mad that like my information is not correct on like what I'm saying. I'm going to get shit on for that. But I just like looked at that and I was like, what are, what are the freaking odds that like you play like one of your oldest friends in the business and it's like, you're, you know, it's just is like that's just like such a small like like the world is a small place. I guess I just was really surprised to see that, and I was like, that must have been a really unbelievable moment, kind of for both of you, I guess. You know, and it sucks that it just has to one of you guys has to lose. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's uh, yeah. I mean it was uh, it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, and then it also helped, quite frankly, that Juniata had played them that year. My brother was the assistant of Juniata at that time, and so we got a good scout from those guys too. So. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I, it makes me wonder who the heck was on the, uh, the search committee if they had, uh, if they had any inside information or, or not search committee, but the, uh, selection committee. We, we've always joked about that, but like a division one level for sure. The people on the selection committee are like, we don't, we don't want like matchups and storylines, but like, it's so very obvious, like too many times things just happen. So someone on the D3 selection community was like all right these guys are real close friends like let's do this this will be really fun they definitely it 100% yeah. happened there's no way it just doesn't make like you said why would three new england teams go to freaking carlisle pennsylvania like i've been there before nate it's not you know that's just not a great place to take a bus <laughs> trip to you know it's just not i don't know <laughs> uh i got one more. Eh, i don't really like my quote i, I picked it because frank Vo- <laughs> frank vogel's like also a juniata alum so I, I was going to like needle you and say that you were the most famous coach from Juniata, but it's, it's really Frank Vogel. Uh, but yeah, you know, yeah. he's, he's obviously the, the new coach of the Lakers and he's dealing with some flack about, you know, was Jason Kidd going to steal his job or whatever. So in this quote, he was like, I understand a lot of questioning in light of the events this morning, but you just kind of roll with the punches, you know, and we've talked a lot about rolling with the punches in your career. But how have you learned, you know, you're a young guy in 2007 and now it's 2019. How have you learned to kind of handle hiccups, whether it be as a coach or, you know, things within the athletic department? But how have you kind of learned to deal with things when they just don't go the way that you want them to go? Because I think this happens a lot to people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, No, my father was a a huge influence in this, Um, you know, never too high, never too low. Um, you know, try to be really even keeled. Um, you know, it, it gets me in trouble a little bit because, you know, I get accused of not showing enough emotion. Um, but I, I try to really just, you know, kind of act like you've been there. Uh, but also, you know, if you're calm, you know, then the people who follow you will also be calm and how they react to things. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, things are going to happen. You know, and the other, the other person who also kind of, who really keeps me grounded is my wife, you know, Aaron, um, you know, never keeps me, you know, never, you know, if I come home low and you know, she's, you know, boosting me up. If I, you know, you know, if I'm too high, I mean, she absolutely lets me know, you know, about it. But, um, you know, and then one comment on Frank Vogel. So, um, so I just missed him. I missed him by, I want to say two years um, when I came in. 
And um, yeah, he actually didn't graduate from Juniata. He transferred transferred to Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah, Kentucky to be like a manager. Like I, I read the story that he yeah. showed up. Yeah. was like I want to work for you, and just kind of like bumped into guys at Jim O'Brien, I think it was, and they were like, "All right, fine, guy. Like you can do laundry." Yeah, yeah, no. So I, you know, and I don't, I don't know, uh, and I, I've not asked, you know, Greg about that. I don't know if he's reached out, or if there's any connection, you know, uh, from there uh, forth. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, that's uh, when I did learn that. Like, holy cow, you know, that guy was living in East, East, just like I was. So, because he played, he was a player, right? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like he just went yeah. there. Like, he was a point guard for Juniata. So it's just like he actively decided, like, I'm going to start my coaching career, which from everything I've heard about Frank Vogel, like it, it, it makes sense that he would do that. But it, I just like saw that and I was like, that is very weird that he also played at Juniata. I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, neat. Uh, neat. And then uh, I want to say one of his teammates, a uh, uh, guy by the name of Casey Craig, a great player for Juniata. Um, he actually also uh, wound up in the NBA for a while as well. Um, in their, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, anything that has to do with uh, like halftime or like promotions, that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, if you ask uh, Rick Ferry, he got Rick on uh, and did a, uh, I want to say a, a three point shootout and Rick sunk it and you know, won the prize and all that. That was uh, uh, pretty funny. <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to take it over our next segment city review. I'm excited about it. Of course, uh, just because we talked about it before and you said you wanted to do Seacoast, which I just love because I have no idea what that is or what it means. So we're doing a city review, Seacoast, three restaurants, two bars and acti- activity. I expect a lot of fire out of you. So bring it on, Nate. Absolutely. Um, you know, so Seacoast, you know, and I didn't understand this either. Um, I'm, a, you know, a, a Western, Northwestern PA guy. Um, you know, we went to Canadota Lake you know, as a, which is more or less a pond, you know, when I was growing up. So I didn't, I didn't understand the ocean at all. Um, but, uh, where I lived, we're about 15 minutes from, uh, from the closest beach. Um, so it's awesome. But, uh, so there's ports. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's, it's awesome. You know, bringing the girls and actually I'll save that for the activity, but, uh, uh, the first, first restaurant, the, the bread box, um, great sandwiches, uh, in Portsmouth. Um, you know, if you want to get a lobster roll, uh, go to the ice house in, in Rye, New Hampshire. Um, and these are all within minutes of each other. And then, um, I'm a sucker for like, uh, like Chipotle, Chipotle or uh, Moe's. So there's a, uh, a restaurant called Las Olas in, uh, in Exeter, um, that, uh, that we frequent as a, as a family, um, bars, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, the Gaslight. Um, in Portsmouth, great pizza, great, uh, you know, great scene. Um, and then there's a, uh, not, I, I guess it's a bar, it's a throwback uh, brewery, which is in Northampton. Um, another, you know, a, a good spot to go outdoors, like a farm. Um, yeah, actually a ton of brewery, ton of breweries up in this area. Um, and then the activity, uh, a little family activity, um, we go to uh, the Wallace Sands Beach, which is Rye, and uh, we just do pizza on the beach. Uh, girls get to run around. There's no uh, no crowds. Um, you know, so you hit the tide right. You know, you're you know, you're good. You're good to go. 
that that was like the best activity too. Like when I lived in Charleston, just like go to the beach, like pick your food up for the day, like bring a cooler. It costs you like whatever you spend on food and drinks or booze, whatever it is. And then you're just there for like 12 hours and you just leave. Obviously don't drink and drive, but it just was like the beach was the best. You just went Saturdays and Sundays, like every day pretty much. And then you were exhausted when you got home because you were in the sun all day. It was, I, I'm jealous of not living near a beach anymore. Like people like talk about lake life. Like it's a legitimate thing. It's just not like, they're like Oh, you got to go to the lake. Like it'll be super. If you don't own a boat, the lake sucks. Like it's just brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. throw it out there guys. Like I'm very anti-lake. That's why, that's why you got to make friends like Todd McGinnis. So you can take you on <laughs> yeah. his boat in Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> go on the boat in Lake Erie, the greatest bro- South beach, South beach Erie. <laughs> yeah. My brother, my brother's been on that boat. I think I'm not getting on that boat. I'm not <laughs> But, could, uh, get, could get real uh, dangerous. Could get real yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Well, you know, where we live, there's also, you know, within an hour, you know, my wife's family, there's uh, the lakes region. They have they have uh, houses on the beach as well. So, or uh, not on the beach, but on the on the lake on lakes up there. So we're we're in a great location. You know, even though we, uh, you know, the commute's uh, not ideal. I, you know, it's it's not a bad thing when you're away. You know, for <laughs> sure. How's the how's the minor league baseball up there? The summer league, Cape Cod League, I guess. Um, do you ever get to experience yeah. that? Because I saw uh, what, what was the movie that I love, Tyler, and I can't think of the name. Uh, was Freddie Prince Jr. Summer Catch. Yeah, summer summer Catch. Catch. I mean, like, Great I split. wanted to go up there and I want to spend five days just going to the Oasis and watching minor league baseball. <laughs> so, how is that? It's really cool. Um, so we we've done uh, we've done the Cape. Uh, we've rented houses on the Cape. Um, we, we've kind of ceased to do that uh, since we had kids. Um, but uh, it is literally, there's maybe, uh, and I'm probably going to be wrong in this, but, you know, eight to 10 or eight to 12, you know, towns on the Cape that have these, these games. We went to a Dennis Yarmouth, uh, Dennis Yarmouth game, which is right at the, uh, the DUI high school uh, baseball field. Beautiful. Um, and it's, it's awesome. I mean, um, you're down there and, and I'm a baseball guy, you know, I, I, I'm a diehard, you know, diehard Pittsburgh Pirates fan, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but, um, you know, so, so going up there and then, um, you know, there's some good minor league stadiums up here too, uh, down in Pawtucket, uh, the Pawtucket Red Sox. I usually, uh, haven't done it the last two years, but I, I'd always made the trip when, uh, I'd always made the trip to go down there when the Indianapolis Indians played the AAA affiliate for the Pirates. Yeah, and um, and then um, you know there's a, a great stadium in Lowell, uh, Lowell Spinners, um, and then also uh, up in Portland, Maine uh, is another one. Um, so oh, yeah, you can do you can get your fix um, with uh, with minor league and uh, and Cape League baseball up here for sure. All right, let's uh, move it over to 10 touches. I got the first five, 30-second rapid fire. Who's the uh, funniest person you've ever worked with or coached? LJ Harrington. Uh, he's, unbel- he's unbelievable. I can't even, I can't even begin to, to tell you about him. He's, you know, he's man is boxers. He's, yeah, he's nuts. He's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's your worst basketball travel experience? Uh, I want to say... When I was at Juniata uh, as a player, we went to the Union Tournament up in Schenectady, New York, and it was like a 12-hour ride back through the snow. And 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 Rick was like, "Ah, we're we're gonna push through this." And we were in a van for forever, man. It was uh, it was awful. 
Uh, the long drives are just so brutal. And, and in a van, is just it just can't get any worse. Like, there's no TV. Yeah, like, the worst. What, uh, if you have a chance, what are you binge watching if you're not being forced to watch children's television shows? Well, I'm binge, I'm binge watching Sophia the First and Peppa Pig right now, but, uh, of course, of course. But for what I'd like to be, uh, it, I'm rewatching actually Deadwood, uh, because I saw they came out with the movie and, uh, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm rewatching Deadwood Deadwood right now. That's pretty good. Also, like not a terribly long rewatch, right? Only three seasons of that show, I think. I watched the first like six episodes a couple weeks ago, and then fell off a minute because you have to like really pay attention. Like it's so much dialogue. It's like one of those old school HBO shows. Like you just have to pay attention. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna yeah. wait until like my wife's out of town, and I can just sit here in front of the TV for like seven hours and watch it. But yeah, I've heard yeah. great things. Uh, what's the best game you've ever been a part of? Um, I'd say our championship uh, game, uh, Regis, uh, over uh, from the Vermont College. Uh, Jordan Mont hit two free throws to put us up. Uh, but the beautiful thing, beautiful thing about that, our AD was up there, Rob Riley, and uh, he literally, under our basket, he cleared out the Southern Vermont students. He literally cleared them out so that Jordan could knock down those two free throws. It was crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. What a uh, last one for me. Who's the toughest player you've ever had a game plan for? Um, I, I probably have to go back to Andy Panko. Um, but, uh, but my first year at Bethany, uh, and the second round of the NCAA tournament, we uh, played Otterbein and uh, Jeff Gibbs, was uh you know i think he was the the player of the year that year 2002 in both football and basketball uh he was like a six foot one or six foot two center and uh yeah he was he was a he was a monster he's still playing he's on the uh you know the d3 team uh or he was last year i believe that for the million dollar tournament oh wow what would you do uh what would you do if you weren't a coach i'd probably be probably a teacher you know, uh, you know, both my parents were teachers, uh, either a teacher or maybe a UPS driver or something like that, you know. Now, why, you guys, you got to give me the, why UPS driver? You just love to like hang out, chill, listen to some baseball, maybe a Create Your Shop podcast. I don't know. I think, you know, on the, I mean, you do so much driving, you know, uh, with the recruiting and all that. And, you know, I, yeah, why not? You know? Yeah, it's, it's you got the skill set. I got you. What would you change about <laughs> college basketball? <laughs> <laughs> so i i would love to steal what the other guys were talking about because i agree with them you know taking the charge out of the game you know uh, I, I i i see the validity in it i think it's a, a it's a bs call quite frankly uh but um the other thing and i think they're starting to go back to it but um i would uh i, I want to call my own time out you know, I don't want to tell my guy to, hey, come over, come on, and call a timeout. So if I, I want my timeouts back. You know, that's uh, I'd like I'd like my timeouts back. I think that's a that's a good one. That's honestly a good one. Like, yeah. why are we taking power away from coaches? Like, it's supposed. To, you know, I don't know. That's a good one. Yeah, for sure. Pre-game routine. Do you have one? Um, it's funny. The uh, every game day, and I guess it's not immediate pre-game, but uh, when I take. My daughter's down the stairs. We do the, uh, you know, hit the, you know, hit the top of the, hit the top of the ceiling game day. You know, I, I taught our 
Francis, our three-year-old, when she was, you know, probably one or under one, you know, game day. So she's ta- she's tapping the ceiling, and same thing. Grace is tapping the ceiling. So that's the that's the, every game day we do that. Yeah, tap the ceiling. Love it. Best coach to steal from. Uh I've been ever since I've been at Regis. I've been like a uh, you know a pack line disciple. Um, you know, so you know, obviously, um, you know, Dick Bennett, uh, but. Ben Jacobson at Northern Northern Iowa is a guy I think is really good, and then uh, another smaller school, Paul Combs. I think he's at uh, he's at Carroll College in Wisconsin. He's another guy that's uh, I think really good, really good to steal from. That's those are good. Those are good names. Those are. Good. I thought you were going to hit us with the like Tony Bennett. You know, those are those are good names. Now, yeah. What's your secret talent? Well. I don't know if I'm ashamed of this or not, but like I'm, I'm really good at winning, you know, uh, at eBay actually, you know, putting in like that bid, like right at the end and like stealing, the, you know, getting, getting that thing, get that item that I want. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here down in my, down in my basement here and I'm looking at my, uh, my vinyl collection. And I've, uh, you know, a lot of those have been won by, you know, that last second, you know, bid, you know, uh, Dude, on eBay. That's this Tyler. This is why we. I mean, Tyler, a couple episodes gave me some crap because I keep asking this question, and it's very rare we get great answers. That is the answer right there. <laughs> I actually, le- I actually left it in too. I, I when and like we go back and forth with the prep sheet or whatever, just a little bit of our process. Like either one of us can take out or whatever, and so I, I narrowed it down. I, I added a question and I deleted Secret Town. I was like, you know what? Like if anybody that we've had on the show is going to give us a good answer, like I think it'll be Nate, and I added it back in right at the end. So, you know what? That's I'm topping you right there, Smalls. I'm not going to let you take Dude, that. I love I love that eBay because that is a talent, and that's like a competitive. That's such a coach answer. Yeah. Like you know, I'm just my kids are all asleep. I'm just on eBay till four a.m. getting my next final. Yeah, I know it's, it, it got to it got to the point where I would set alarms, you know, on my phone, like, uh, "Hey, this auction's up. You know, you better go and, uh, and put your bid in." And uh, and you know, it's nothing crazy, but you know, yeah. you, you come in like you come in like five bucks over what they suggest. You're like, "Oh, you're gonna get it, man. You're gonna get it." So, no, it's, it's good. It's good. <laughs> hey, two future podcast guests for us. Well, I got to go uh, keep it in the family. Uh, I think my brother would be a, uh, a great uh, a great podcast. Nick Hager at Bethany College has had a lot of success down there. Um, and then another one is uh, Jordan Fee. Uh, he's the assistant coach at uh, Nova Southeastern. Um, Jordan's father and my father uh, were, were uh, on the same staff at uh, Maywood High School. And then uh, Jordan's father, Dom, was... Um, the head coach of Grove City, which is the next uh, town down from Franklin, where my dad was, uh, where my dad was um, the, the head coach, and it, we had great battles with them. But Jordan, uh, uh, up and coming, you know, coach, great, uh, great mind, and they've had a heck of a lot of success uh, down there. Uh, we're, uh, coach Crutchfield, yeah, working for Crutch down there, and it's, uh, you know, that's a great experience. I know he was. He basically had a job. He could have had a job and, uh, you know, stuck with yeah, the Southeastern Clarion. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah. that would have been right back, you know, to where he's from, but I think he's a rising star in this business. That's a good one. Cause I'd love to talk to somebody like that. Actually, I have one bonus question. I just, I, I didn't figure out a place to put this in, but I, I'm just curious. What was it like coaching against Jim Calhoun this year in the sense that like, he just won like SB for coach of the year. And obviously like him, 
coaching in a division three school in Connecticut. It just seems like such a weird thing to do. But like, was that like a, a weird moment or like a cool moment for you, Nate, to like be on the same sideline coaching against Jim Calhoun? Yeah, you know, it's funny. There's, 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 this is kind of like that seven degrees of separation. You know, there's some, a lot, how, how basketball is so close knit. And, uh, you know, my, my wife, uh, you know, is a, uh, a global product director at Converse. And, uh, the Converse's old CEO is Jim Calhoun Jr. And, uh, so my wife's been talking smack for, you know, uh, you know, two years. And, you know, uh, and unfortunately we did not come through with that. Um, but, um, but that, and then my first assistant, Jelani Townsell, um, when he left Regis, he went to go be a GA, uh, for Jim Calhoun at, at UConn. Uh, so there's another one. And then the last connection, um, you know, the guy who got me into coaching, um, Phil Ness at Allegheny college, who, you know, I think put me in front of, uh, of Rob Kloon. Uh, Phil Ness and Carl Fogel, uh, that head coach at Mercyhurst College back in the day, those guys were both assistants for Jim Calhoun at uh, Northeastern. Wow. So I don't know if Jim knows it, but I, I consider myself part of the coaching tree, his coaching tree. <laughs> yeah, right? you, you, yeah, definitely. And you should have just at the beginning of the game said, how you doing, home? Hoon? Welcome to the league. Like something like that, just super <laughs> cocky and arrogant, then just smacked him and walked away. Like you with Greg Godin, Tyler. He would, yeah, he that, was, that was bad. He'd have given that right back to you. Jim Calhoun, I, I think he likes guys that are cocky. Like he it's his kind of style. Like he's got a you know quick wit or whatever, and he's he'll tell you how uh, he he's he's funny that he came over before and said, uh, hey, he's like, man, these freshmen are killing me. You know, his whole team was freshmen. Uh, I actually literally freshmen, maybe a, a one sophomore. And then he goes, Well, I see, you know. It just your seniors are killing killing you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're you're you're, you're okay. Thanks, right. John. Really appreciate. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Uh, all right, last uh, last segment. Same two questions to every guest. Uh, I got the first one. We call these parting shots. What's the uh, best advice you've ever been given? Uh, best advice, uh, Rob Clune, um Unfortunately, had to step away from uh, a game my first year of coaching and. Uh, and I asked him, I said, like, what do you want me to do for this game? And uh, we we're playing uh, Frostburg State and uh, Nevada and Todd, these guys never let me live it down because we lost. And, uh, and, and Rob goes, well, don't call the first time out. <laughs> that was it. That was, that, was it. that was it. That was it. Don't call the first time out. Tell me you were down like 18 to one like, <laughs> yeah, at, like, at like the 11 minute mark and you're just sitting there with your hands in your pockets. Your players are staring at you like, yo, we got to get a timeout. You're like, I can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, yeah, I can't. Yeah, student assistants look at me. Hey, why aren't you calling a timeout? First guy to flinch loses here. Uh, face to face with your 24 year old self. What are you telling that person? Don't take the first time out. That's already out of the way. Yeah, yeah, that's already out of the way. Um, you know, I'd probably say maybe, you know, maybe lay off the chicken wings a little bit. You know, probably don't. Uh, you know, maybe don't go out and uh, you know and, and try to get chicken wings every night of the week when you're an assistant. Um, and then, uh, and then, and then, honestly, get out and golf more. You know, go go enjoy it. You know, um, you know, uh, spend time with your family. Um, yeah, that's a, you know, one thing that's a little, uh, underplayed with what, with, with what I've done. I mean, my family's 10, you know, 12 hours away, so I, I don't get to see them as much, you know? So I think, 
you know, you know, talking to your mom and dad every day. I think that's something that's, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, you know, if you want to tell the future, you know, you, you got people who have done what you've done, you know, and what you're doing, you know, you, you can, you know, you can, uh, you can confide in them, you can talk to them. So I think, uh, you know, talk to your parents and, uh, you know, and, you know, and tell the people you care about, you love them. I, I love that advice. I also like it, you know, it's always easy to say, go back and change your diet as, as a bad body all-star myself. <laughs> like, but I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, man, I wouldn't trade the days that I went and ate 25 wings on a Sunday night after, after football with my friends. Yeah, because now you do it and you look even more like a slob. You know what I mean? Tyler? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm not saying Tyler. I'm saying like no, nowadays, just, nowadays we yeah. do it and it's even worse. And like I used to be able to, you know, throw back 10 beers and eat a bunch of wings and I didn't look too bad. Now it's terrible. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, the recovery, man. <laughs> even even just drinking beer now even if you just drink like a few beers like i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this one at you like after the newsroom on thursday night in minneapolis ooh, not ooh. only was i hung over on friday morning but i also felt like i weighed like 600 pounds and like anxiety it was just so bad like my anxiety was terrible and i was like man can i not drink beer anymore like am i totally off but life for the rest of my life i might have to be it was like so bad, yeah. so bad. That that was a good night, though, man. I mean, that was a, that was a great collection of coaches, a great collection of guys. Yeah, that was awesome. Anytime you, anytime you end up talking to Wayne Tinkle at the end of the night, man, that's a, that's a good <laughs> that's a good thing. We gotta get him. Gotta get him. I mean, arguments flying back and forth. I'm calling Nate, Nick, Nick, Nate, this guy, that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. the perfect combination. That, that episode of Create Your Shot After Dark, especially just there, is, there were some stories. But we will, we will let you get out of here. Uh, he is at Nathan Hager on Twitter, spelled just like it sounds. Go ahead and give him a follow. And, Nate, uh, we appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, best of luck on the recruiting trail. And hopefully we run into you, all right? Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, for Thanks, Tyler. I, I really appreciate it.